Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Okay, here we are on podcast two of the Insider Secrets, Cosmeceutical Ingredients, Procedures, and Devices. We're basically taking my 25 years in this industry, looking at everything from a very objective perspective, because at at all times, my goal is to make all of us look younger and do so in a healthy way. And I don't believe, I believe if you try to look younger using traumatic procedures and devices and ingredients that you will actually net lose over time. Like you literally will accelerate your aging if you're choosing the wrong ingredients and procedures. So in session one, we talked about the idea of a you know, procedural issues, uh, things that you want to avoid at the office where they're doing anything that's uh, cosmetic. In this section, we're going to actually talk a little bit more about the ingredient choices you want to make if you're not getting those procedures. So let's jump right in and let's jump into one of my favorite subjects, which is lightening the skin. So no question about it. One of the biggest cosmetic imperfections that shows up as we age is uneven skin tone, brown spots around the face. In fact, I've recently done an Insta Live on pigmentation where we talked about some of this. Um, But I do want to re-explain what the different sources are for the various types of pigmentation. So first of all, I'm a believer that all pigmentation is purposeful and protective. And so when your body creates an age spot, it's literally doing so to help you not you know, create a very significant wound in your skin. So now if you put that hat on and you think about lighteners, it's not always the best idea to put a lightener on your skin to expose a wound that your skin was trying to cover up. Remember, all pigmentation is like an umbrella of pigment designed by the skin to protect. We call this post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation or PIH. And we usually attribute PIH to someone who's had a, a serious procedure And, you know, they went out in the sun too fast, their skin hadn't healed, and they developed what's called PIH. Well, it's actually every type of pigmentation is PIH. If you go out and lay in the sun for a little while and you tan, a level of that is a PIH response. If you have a liver spot, well, liver spot actually does come from the liver, and it starts as a red spot on your face, and it turns to brown as you go in the sun because, again, your skin wants to protect that dermal wound. Same thing is true with melasma. This is also caused by liver damage. So, you know, osmosis has never been a big proponent of lighteners per se. Now, the lightener that's the most discussed is hydroquinone. Hydroquinone is banned above 2% in a lot of countries. It is uh, medical only above 2% in a lot of countries. And, you know, what do you need to know about it? You need to know that it's an ingredient that your skin should never see. It's poisonous. It can cause something called exogenous ochronosis, which is a bluish black pigment in the dermis. It is poisonous to your DNA of your skin. It is poisonous to the melanocyte, which is really how it's doing a lot of its most destructive work. And yeah, it's a no for me. And it's a no from a lot of people. And a lot of physicians are even starting to move that way, uh, which is great to see. 
So then the question is, well, what about lightning in general, Dr. Johnson? If you're saying this is an umbrella of pigment that's protective, why would we ever want to lighten? And that's where I kind of default, to be honest with you. Now, there are cases where I will say to somebody, if you have age spots, osmosis rescue and osmosis catalyst in combination for age spots will heal them permanently, usually in eight weeks, unless, you know, we're talking, you know, the older you are, the longer it's going to take for them to repair all the accumulated damage, but they do respond really nicely and really well. So I don't recommend lighteners in those cases. In a lightener case where you have melasma or liver spots, well, as I've acknowledged before, my liver repair protocol is uh, coming soon. It's an accelerator for liver repair. We do have a, a liver repair component, which is immune activator, and it's very effective. But liver spots are small enough that the body doesn't seem to want to go in and fix those. And part of it, I think, has to do with the fact there's an emotion behind liver spots where there is not, per se, an emotion behind melasma. Liver spots is related to anger, is what I've learned uh, in connecting. Remember, I connect all disease and skin conditions with a pathogen, toxin, and emotion. And sometimes it's two out of three of those, by the way, not always all three in a triad, but all three of those in some way, shape or form are why we get disease in the first place. So the whole idea here is to fix issues like pigmentation in a holistic way. So yes, it's true. I would rather you not use a lightener, but here's where I take exception. I want you to use a lightener if you are also in conjunction healing the wound. So if you're doing what you can to heal the melasma, go ahead and use a lightener for three months while we're trying to get this healed. Uh, I think it could improve the aesthetics of the wound. Uh, you definitely want to take more caution when going into the sun if you do that, because now this, this umbrella has got a few holes in it, right? Because you've, you've poked it down. I should say faded it down. We're not poking it down. So that's an important segment. Lightning is always an interesting one. Again, treat the source where possible. If you can't treat the source, use a non-hydroquinone tyrosinase inhibitor and you know, choose your weapon of choice. Uh, osmosis is coming out with a, its new lightener here in the next few months. And it's an excellent lightener, but I'm going to tell you why lighteners work. This is another little insider secret. The main reason why lighteners work is not the tyrosinase inhibition part. It's the exfoliation part. So when you read reviews, chances are the lighteners that you like the most are the ones that are peeling away at your skin causing a fading of pigment. Remember, how you fade pigment is you exfoliate faster than the skin can replace the pigment because your skin barrier will push really hard to come back to normal once you exfoliate. It'll push so fast that the pigment that normally gets deposited in each skin cell doesn't. And that's how your skin fades on a exfoliation regimen. That's how your skin fades on most lighteners is they're using, you know, azelaic acid, mandelic acid, glycolic acid, you know, a whole variety of acids all designed to accelerate that turnover rate because they know that's how the skin fades best. Now that's not healthy for you either. It's skin not great for that wound to keep putting acids on it. There's probably a happy medium somewhere, but most people aren't doing it. The reason I'm giving you all of this detail is because I want you to take each case individually. If you're a professional listening to this, 
don't just know that not everybody needs a lightener. Some people are just going to need to jump on a, a wound healing protocol and to uh, never use hydroquinone because of the DNA damage that it inflicts on the skin as one of many issues that I have with it. The other thing to remember, and that's the other funny thing about lighteners is here's my, my secret of the day. A lot of people recommend lighteners and they say for treatment of hyperpigmentation, but the problem is that you're not actually treating the hyperpigmentation. You're simply fading the brown. The, the hyperpigmentation is in its entirety is a wound. So a treating hyperpigmentation means to treat the source. That's when I would use the word treat. Okay. That is an important secret for you to t- give consideration to. Uh, let's go to the next one. Another one I, I harp frequently on is exfoliating and exfoliation, and especially daily exfoliation. Now, if you exfoliate your skin once a month, I don't think your skin really needs it, especially if you're on the osmosis protocol where we're increasing turnover by feeding the skin back to health as opposed to pulling the surface off, right? Okay, so the whole entire country, world got lost about 30 years ago when they decided that, hey, guess what? If I burn my face every day with this acid and I destroy my surface barrier, all the lipids get burned off and and a few chunks of my, you know, uh, stratum corneum, which is the surface epidermal layer, come off. The result of that forces your skin into speeding up to fix that problem. So exfoliation has always been seen as something that does seem to increase, oh, let's just say the radiance of the skin if you want to argue that and i would say okay yeah that's true if you burn off your barrier your skin is more radiant you know what else happens when you burn off your barrier every day it feels tight so you see because when you take the lipids off of your surface your skin feels tighter and so people like that sensation it makes them think their skin is actually tighter but no instead it's just less supple less elastic as a result of the lipids missing, right? The lipids were kind of keeping the flow going for you when it comes to your surface layer. So not a fan of exfoliation. Remember exfoliation. And the reason why this is an insider secret is because you may already know this, like 95% of skincare professionals around the world believe exfoliation is, is a necessary and healthy thing for the skin. I think that's, I think that's crazy. Like we know this, we know When you exfoliate, you take the lipids off your skin, that causes immediate dehydration, right? There's this thing called transepidermal water loss. If you were to Google it, you would type in T-E-W-L, and you can measure the effects on transepidermal water loss. And secret secret sauce out, there is a massive increase in transepidermal water loss, in other words, dehydration, when you use acids on your face and or scrubs on your face, by the way, remember exfoliation can be physical or it can be chemical. And so no, please no stop. Okay. Then there's the other piece. When you take the lipids off your skin and you take some of the layers of stratum corneum off of your skin, you have more sun damage because your skin is also reflecting some of the UV light. And so the reflection capacity drops your skin ages faster every day. And you say, oh, that's okay, Dr. Johnson. I use a chemical sunscreen every day in my makeup or in my moisturizer. And so don't have to worry about that barrier being missing. (laughs) Sorry to tell you another insider secret. Daily sunscreen ages your skin. Now, why does it do that? Well, because... The sun does not age your skin unless you're getting a sunburn. So the five minutes, the 10 minutes, even the 30 minute drive to work, if you're wearing makeup and have put good skincare on your face prior to wearing makeup, 
chances are good, you know, with mild to moderate benefit of the window reflecting some of that light away, that you had no long-term damage from sitting there in the car if that was the reason why you wore the sunscreen. Now, if you're not even getting that, like if, especially if you're living in an area like, I don't know, a low sun area, let's say Seattle or England, uh, London, or you know some of these places, I, I just found out Boston apparently is heavily cloudy all the time. So uh, if you're living in one of those zones, never, never put a chemical sunscreen on your face. And here's why. The chemical sunscreens turn into inflammatory agents. They become DNA damaging. If the sun hits them, they become inflammatory. They did a study where they put sunscreen. This is like a chemical sunscreen, you know, and just so I just, so you know, you're like, well, what's chemical? What's physical? Like, how do I distinguish? You got your titanium and you got your zinc and you got Everything else is pretty much chemical. Well, except for our UV defense, which is another awesome something. Okay, so chemical sunscreens put on the face, break down toxic substances in the skin. So they age your skin being there. Now, the other thing is vitamin D and the other benefits of being in the sun. I don't know if you know this, but your sun, the sun actually triggers collagen in your skin. And I'm not talking after you burn the bejesus out of it. It actually triggers collagen in your skin just going in the sun. That's why I keep trying to explain to people the sun is actually rejuvenating to the skin in moderate doses. So that's what you want to be doing. You don't want to use a sunscreen every day. You don't want the chemical sunscreen ever in your life again. Except, you know, and I've, I've identified this before, but except in those moments where, let's say, you're trapped on a boat and it's 110 degrees outside and you are unable to avoid the sun, uh, definitely a sunscreen is better than a sunburn, okay? That's the only time, but if you can get avoid a sunburn with any other mechanism, you should be choosing it. All right, so uh, as it happens with me, I'm, I'm running up on uh, time here uh, soon, so I want to make sure I get to all of my important insider secrets when it comes to ingredients. So the next ingredient we're going to talk about is uh, vitamin A. And I totally appreciate have a, uh, I think a whole podcast on vitamin A. So I'm going to keep it short, but it's such an important one. And I just want to make sure you don't miss this because it's one of the biggest misguided recommendations on the planet right now. And that is everybody should be on vitamin A. Everyone should be on vitamin A. Now, the logic behind it is that there's tons of vitamin A in your skin and, and there's different forms of vitamin A that are clearly involved in collagen manufacturing. And so therefore, you know, from a rejuvenation perspective, we were all trained in medical school and in aesthetic school and elsewhere that we need vitamin A. So yeah, we do need vitamin A. We need it in our diet. There's lots of places you can get it, but it's not meant to go in through the surface skin. And that's that's the challenge uh, that we face. So you can look at all the choices. And, and, and again, I try to explain to people, I don't have a dog in this fight. Like I'm, I'm looking at all the vitamin A options going, well, which one, if any, is a good choice? And my conclusion is evident from my formulating, uh, which is stabilized retinaldehyde is the only form of vitamin A that your skin should ever see. And I say this because... Vitamin A, when it hits the sun, causes DNA damage. And so every time you apply vitamin A, even if you apply it at night, when you go out in the sun the next day, they're still there. It doesn't disappear in 12 hours uh, while you're sleeping. It's unfortunately most of it, like 95% of vitamin A does not penetrate into your skin at all. 
right? Actually, maybe closer to 98%, but let's say somewhere between 95 and 98%. It doesn't make it to your dermis anyway. So that means your layers of skin have all these different vitamin A's throughout it. So next day you go in the sun, you're like, it's okay. I used it last night. Nope. You're getting DNA damage. You're actually aging faster. And remember, you used it last night. It's probably exfoliating you. So now you've also got some losses in your stratum corneum. So you're dehydrated more. I mean, all these are all the negatives. So just to distinguish, retinaldehyde is different because it's so potent. It is as potent as retin-A. So when you put it in the skin, you only have to put in retin-A amounts a hundred times less roughly than a typical vitamin A molecule, 100 times less. And so when you have a hundred times less vitamin A in your skin, you have a hundred times less DNA damage potential in your skin. But we have an added protection barrier there because the other unique thing about this form of retinaldehyde we use is it's stabilized. So much less likely to be broken apart and damaged it's going to sit in your skin mostly in a stored, stabilized form. And so therefore, it's not going to oxidize, not going to cause DNA damage. And I can use less so it doesn't cause exfoliation. It doesn't dehydrate your skin. It doesn't cause a significant amount of inflammatory reaction in the skin. It's way better tolerated than any other form of vitamin A. Well, I guess there are some forms of vitamin A that are not bioavailable. So you could argue those just sit in your skin and do nothing. But... And so then you have Retin-A, which is horrendous for the skin. It thins this papillary dermis by 18% after one year's use, according to a large clinical trial, and by 30% after four years' use, according to a follow-up clinical trial. Don't do it. And, by the way, not only direct DNA damage, even without going in the sun, but also... DNA damage from going in the sun because of what it does to your epidermis. Like retin-A is so, so bad. Anyway, like I said, I was going to try to keep it short on vitamin A, uh, but I thought it was really important insider secret. Do not buy other vitamin A's. They are not serving you. Now, the question you may have is always, well, why do I see some benefit from that? Well, when you put inflammatory ingredients in your skin, they can cause plumping. Plumping can make your wrinkles look better. Maybe make your radiance pop up a notch, but no, no more inflammatory plumping for you. Okay. You've heard this now. No excuses. You know, and this inflammatory plumping model is how a lot of ingredients work. So when you see most of the benefit that occurs from, uh, let's say a vitamin C patch on your eye, you know, a lot of that is actually inflammation because it's uh, 10% vitamin C being put on the eye. So it's not really a collagen generator in that experience. Although again, I believe in vitamin C, I believe vitamin C, you know, somewhere between five and 10% vitamin C application should be done on the skin probably twice daily for the most accelerated form. So picking your vitamin C is tricky. Uh, the main uh, ones you want to stay from right now are ascorbyl palmitate, which is the non-bioavailable stabilized version of vitamin C. It was the original C ester. And again, the body doesn't have a mechanism to break off the palmitate. And then you have tetrahexadecal ascorbate. And this is a very expensive one, very hot right now. And, you know, I can't give you definitive research that it's not bioavailable, but I absolutely am convinced it is not available to your skin for use. It is ascorbyl isopalmitate, so really not 
much of a, it's like almost a twin brother to Scorable Palmitate. So it sits in the skin, can cause some plumping, so you might see some fine line improvement, but it's not going to make collagen for you, which is really why you want your C there in the first place. Remember, C is not about being an antioxidant. C is about being a collagen generator and a wound healer. That's what C is about. And yes, C is an antioxidant, but it's not about that. And that's why I tell people buying regular L-ascorbic acid as opposed to buying some stabilized magnesium ascorbyl phosphate or ascorbyl glucoside or uh, some of these other uh, very pricey stabilized forms. Yes, many stabilized forms are bioavailable. Many stabilized forms don't stay very stable for very long, but I don't care about that because I'm here to tell you that oxidized C may end up being more potent on the skin than regular C. And that's because it penetrates better and it has many lives. C is not a one life thing, right? It's a 99 lifetime molecule. So you might lose one of the lives through oxidation on the way down or in the bottle. Doesn't matter. Penetrates better revives in your skin and goes to work making collagen for you. So those are some of the insider secrets that I think you would be, you know, much better off knowing, you know, I I think I'll finish though uh, with one of my faves, (laughs) which is always to tell you most peptides have no long-term benefits on your skin. And so you don't want to be investing in really expensive peptide serums. That's my take on it. I am uh, formulating right now a peptide serum with only bioavailable peptides based on my, you know, assessment of the research. It's a nice ad. It's a plumper. It's not, it's not meant to be creating a huge amount of change in the skin like my other key serums, but I think you'll find that to be a nice option at least best bang for your buck when it comes to peptide serums. And then when it comes to moisturizers, you know, my insider secret analysis, if you will, as I finish this thought process, when it comes to moisturizers is don't spend a lot of money on moisturizers. There is no extract from some exotic sea that is going to make a significant amount of change on your skin. Nothing is worth hundreds of dollars for sure. Nothing, right? I mean, I have even my uh, growth factor serum. I brought the price down because we we got some efficiencies in manufacturing. And I, I, I don't want to charge people just because the industry right now is saying, well, stem cell growth factor products should be between $150 and $200. Like, it's how how amazing is it? How exclusive is it? How, you know, is, is it under some patent? No one else can have it. I have, you know, a growth factor serum that is, I think, uh, the best on the market. And it's that's based on the research of what's in it. Like, you know, that's the beauty of growth factor serums is you should be able to see what they've found in their testing is in it. If they're not showing you that, then they're hiding something. And so, yes, there's a value to it. There's long-term changes in the skin that come from it. But again, how much money do you want to put into your different aspects of your skincare routine? You've got to look at your budget. You've got to make a decision. And, and moisturizers for me is where things fall off. Like if I have a choice between I can afford that moisturizer or I have a choice between another serum and that moisturizer, I'm going with the next serum, especially the permanent serums, right? We got to get into this mindset of, look, I'm, I want to use stuff on my skin and body that has a long-term benefit. I don't, I'm not looking for short-term gains because that's a waste of my money. 
That was my approach. That was my approach to formulating. And so that's the approach I'm sharing with you here today. Let's see if there's one other thing. So moisturizers, don't buy really expensive moisturizers ever, ever, ever. I don't care if the smell sends you through the moon. I don't care if the feel is so luxurious. Listen, the more a moisturizer feels like butter or whatever experience you like, chances are the more chemicals are in it that actually are not good for your skin. Like too much dimethicone is a problem. You know, a small amount of dimethicone is tolerable by the skin, but, but higher amounts of different forms of dimethicone will actually occlude the skin and, um, yeah, just not ideal. So I think that's it for today. Thanks again for following along. Like I said, we're in an industry where there's a lot of misinformation and it's hard for consumers and even estheticians. And gosh, I learned the hard way as a physician following the marketing material that is provided for these exciting, quote unquote, exciting new ingredients. Here's my rule of thumb that you can take to the bank on uh, picking your skincare products. First of all, if you're starting to trust me now, which I'm glad and you should I'm not going to let you down. My ingredients create permanent change. Every month you're on osmosis, you will see an incremental improvement in the health of your skin. I don't know of any other skincare line that does that. I'm here to follow you. I'm, you know, if you've been damaged by some laser procedure or hurt by some chemical peel or your skin is just basically a mess after years of retin-A and other stuff, we'll turn it around completely. I promise you that that's my commitment to you. I've told people, you know, you can reach out to me at drbenonosmosisbeauty.com and share with me your personal interest to your skin. If you've got some concerns or need some guidance, I answer a lot of those questions every day. And I'm just so excited to be able to have the tools to be able to help as many people as we're helping right now. And I really appreciate you guys for taking an interest in what we're doing. Yeah, I, I just think like I'm watching people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on procedures that honestly were not worth it at all. And then when you know that a third of those people actually end up with dramatically worse skin, that's just a tragedy that never needed to happen. It's all about education. It's all about really calling to the carpet. To my time, we demand more intellectual honesty from these procedures and from the doctors who are analyzing them. Like when I'm talking to you about, hey, look, yes, the lasers show that they increase collagen production after wounding, you know, that's where most physicians stop reading. And, and my question is always, well, then, gosh, if I do three of those laser procedures with that much increase in collagen, I should look 10 years younger and I'll be done. Like, I don't need to do another elective procedure for years. Well, obviously, that's not happening out there, right? Like, we, we've been offering all these different varieties of different ways to burn ourselves for three decades, and we're not getting younger through that strategy. So... Trust me, if someone comes out with a magic wand, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the movie Logan's Run, where they had that laser rejuvenating people. They didn't, yeah, you know, they weren't allowed to live very long, but they look good on their way out. And so, yeah, that laser hasn't shown up yet. Just so you know, don't, don't uh, let that fool you. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that, guys. Such a pleasure connecting. We'll see you next week. As always, uh, look for my Instagram lives, um, Osmosis Beauties Instagram. Look for more podcasts coming out weekly. Uh, I'd like to say look for my book, but I haven't quite finished it. I'm so excited about uh, the book I'll be putting out here for sure this year. Take care, guys. Catch you soon. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can. 
and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at Osmosis Beauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at Osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.